Yeah, go ahead. Get some hugs in tonight. We're huggers here at the society because we love people. Because Jesus loves people, amen? So that's how we roll, okay? Man, guys, listen, it's so good to see you guys. I'm, I'm glad that you're here tonight. And uh, I'm glad that you've chosen. Listen, tonight, if it is your first night here at the society, man, we are so glad that you're here. I, I, man, my heart is overjoyed to see you. And uh, even if I don't really know you yet, I hope I get a chance to get to know you uh, because I love you already because uh, the love of God is in my heart and you're here. And so I'm just going to love you because you're my brother or sister in Christ tonight. So thank you so much for coming. Listen, if you have not been here or if you have been here, you, or if you haven't been here, you don't know what we've been doing. If you have been here, you know for the last couple weeks we have been in a series here at the Society called How to Raise Your Parents. And so for those of you who have not been, if you'll go ahead and throw that slide up on the screen for me. For those of you who have not been here uh, for the last couple of weeks, you, I, I want to give you a little bit of a recap tonight so that you understand kind of where we're coming from and what we're talking about. And uh, tonight, if you'll look on your seat, everybody should have a sermon card that's going to kind of walk you through everything that we're talking about tonight. There are pins in the seats in front of you, so we're not distracted this week uh, trying to raise our hands and get a pin. But I want to kind of recap for you uh, what we've been talking about because this series, How to Raise Your Parents, is not really about raising your parents. It's more about the role that we play in developing a healthy relationship with our mom or dad or our guardian or whoever that we're living with. And so week one, we talked about, we talked about trust. We talked about how we are either building trust or breaking trust with our parents in every decision that we make. Everything that we do, the choices that we make, the things that we say, we are either building trust or we're breaking trust. And we learn that trust is the foundation that any relationship must be built on. How many of you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend in here? Oh, wow. How many of you wish you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Okay, some of y'all. Listen, if you've ever been in a relationship with anybody, man, that was... Y'all need to get some dates, man. Come on. I'm kidding. I don't, I don't endorse that. Listen, it, it, if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody, you know that that relationship is not healthy and it's not, it's not kind of going the way you want it to go if you can't trust each other, right? If you're in a relationship where you can't trust that other person, what are you doing? You're always worrying about what, they do, what they're doing, where they are, who they're talking to. I saw you talking to that girl. You know what I'm talking about. That girl was across the cafeteria. He wasn't even looking at her. I saw you look over there at her. Yeah, I know she's pretty. Yeah, that's, that's how we do. And if we don't have trust in our relationships, if we're not building our relationships on the foundation of trust, then we get ourselves in trouble. And it's the same way with our parents. We have to have a foundation of trust with them for our relationship to be healthy. Then last week, we talked about four key areas of our life where we are either winning or losing with our parents. And we focused on the first two Words, and those two words were, or, or those first two key areas of our life were in our words and in our attitude. We learned that our words are either building up or tearing down. Everything we say either builds up or tears down. And we learned that uh, how our attitude is either thankful or ungrateful. And we also learned how we respond in our words and our attitude will determine whether we win or whether we lose with our parents, if you're always back-talking your mom and dad, or if you're always giving an attitude of ungratefulness, if you're always acting out, doing those kinds of things, then you are shattering the strength of that relationship, and you are actually losing with your parents. And so tonight, I want to just look at the last two key areas. We didn't talk about the last two last week, and so I want to hit on the last two key areas of our life 
that God wants us to, some of us to clean up, to shore up, and to, to be able to begin to build that healthy relationship with our parents. And tonight we're going to look just a little bit deeper. See, our words and our attitude kind of deal with shallow level things. See, I can change the way I speak sometimes. I can change my attitude by making a couple choices, but these last two tonight may require us to go a little bit deeper. It may be a little bit uncomfortable for some of us, but it's necessary for us to get to where God wants us to be in our relationship with our parents. When I was a kid, I, uh, I, I, I enjoyed going to the pool, but I hated the deep water. Anybody feel me there? Anybody, anybody afraid to swim when you were a kid? I'm, I'm not alone. Okay, we got a couple people right here. When I was a kid, I, I was afraid to get in the, the, in the deeper water in a pool. I was that kid who always had the floaties on the arm. You know that kid? I, I, I mean, my mom should have just like wrapped me in one of those things because like, that's how scared I was. And so I would never go into the deep end. And my dad was always trying to get me to learn how to swim, and I didn't want to do it. I would get in the pool, and I'd have my, my little floaties on my arms, you know, the float wings, and I'd have those on. And I'd get in the water, and I didn't, I, like, I would only stay for a while. I would only get in the kiddie pool. And I was getting older, and it was starting to get where the kiddie pool was only coming up to, like, my thighs. And so I, I would finally go, and I'd get in the shallow end of the swimming pool, but I wouldn't want to, like, take my feet up off of the floor. I was always afraid, like, if I took my feet off, even with the floaties, I was going to sink and I was going to drown. And so I was scared. And my dad was trying to teach me how to swim. And I wouldn't do it because my fear was standing in the way. And so one day we were over at a friend's house and we were swimming. And they had one of those above-ground pools that's, like, four feet deep. And so there's no shallow end in that pool. It's just four feet deep all the way around. And as a little kid, four feet deep is pretty deep. It goes over your head. And so I was scared to get in the pool, and the only way I would get in the pool is if I could sit on the, this, this float with my dad. And so my dad said, come on, son, we get, we're on the float, and I'm laughing, but I wouldn't get in the water because I was afraid. And so my dad, being the loving dad that he is, thought it would be hilarious to push me off of the float into the water. Anybody have dads that push you off in the water like that? That's how my dad is. Like, he's there, and he's like, son, I've got you. You're going to be fine. Boop, push me off. Push me off the float into the water. And, guys, I remember I began to panic. I was freaking out. God, I, I remember, I mean, I was like five years old, and I remember seeing the blue of the water. I remember being, I remember, like, the feeling of the burning water in my nostrils. I remember, like, going, you know, trying to, like, get to the top, and I'm, like, doing everything I can to get up out of the water. And I, I even remember looking up and seeing, like, the float above me. It was a green float. And I remember it was, like, above me. And, I mean, it was like a, it was like a horror movie. It was terrible. But then all of a sudden, I remember this feeling of these strong hands as they grabbed me and pulled me to the surface of the water. And I'm like, <gasps> you know, start crying and stuff and snot coming out. It's crazy. Oh, why would you do that? But I remember the strength of my dad's hands as he reached down. I mean, that's kind of sadistic. You push the kid off in the water, and then you turn around. It's like the sweet and sour. Like you're, you're, you're mean, and then you kind of pull him back up. But I remember my dad pushed me off the float, and then he grabbed me, and he pulled me up out of the water. And you know what happened that day? My dad was forcing me to face my fear. And I won't necessarily recommend that to parents, pushing your kids in the water. But... It forced me to face my fear. And you know what? From that day forward, I began to learn how to swim. 
because I never wanted that to happen again. What does this story have to do with what I'm talking about tonight? See, sometimes in life we want to stay, we're cool with just dealing with the shallow stuff with our parents. See, sometimes in life we're cool with just dealing with the surface level things. We don't want to get into the deeper issues. We don't want to get into the deeper pain that we may have with our mom or with our dad. We're cool with staying in the shallow end of the pool of our relationship with our parents. But sometimes God sees things deeper within us that he wants us to face and deal with. So he takes us into those deep places. God, in essence, pushes us off of the float into the deep water. And he takes us into these places that are uncomfortable for us, that are difficult to deal with. And he knows that it's the only way that we will ever deal with the deep hurts and the issues of our life. And just like my dad, the cool thing about God is this. God never pushes you off into the deep places. God never leads you into the deep places where you deal with the real issues and leaving you by yourself. When God takes us into the deep places, he's always right there with us. And just like with my dad, you can feel the strong arms of God as they reach down and as they wrap around you and as they walk with you through the situation. And so that's how we deal with the real issues of our relationships. That's how we find the healing that we need. Sometimes it means that God has to take us into the deep and difficult places. Now some of you over this last couple weeks, you've already begun the journey of walking towards healing in the relationship that you have with your mom and with your dad. But there's still, for some of us, still steps that we need to take. There's still things, issues, hurts, pains that are in our heart with our mom and dad that we need to address and deal with so that we can get to the place that God has called us to be. So tonight, I want to dive into the last two key areas of our life where we are either winning or losing with our parents. Last week we talked about our words and our attitudes tonight, I want to talk to you for a moment about our heart. I want to talk to you tonight about our heart. More specifically, I want to talk to you tonight about what is in our heart. If you'll follow along with me. In our heart tonight, what's in our heart? Is it bitterness or is it forgiveness? Is it bitterness or is it forgiveness? The definition of bitterness is this, very simply, anger at unfair treatment or anger at perceived unfair treatment. How many of you have ever felt like you've been treated unfairly before? Ever been treated unfairly? You ever felt any, how many of you got mad because of it? You were frustrated because you felt like you were treated unfairly. You say that, some of us, we say that to our parents all the time. That's so unfair. We know what that's like. Anger, bitterness is anger because of a perceived unfair treatment. Even more than that, it is anger that persists or stays in our life. Bitterness is when we feel like we've been mistreated. We feel like somebody's done something to hurt us in some way. And we let that anger sit there in our heart. We let that anger sit there in our life. And what it begins to do is it grows. And it grows into bitterness. See, bitterness is like a cancer. See, cancer, when, when somebody gets cancer, a lot of cancers are very aggressive in nature. And so they begin to attack the organs of the body, and very quickly they can begin to break down and destroy that person's body. Like cancer, bitterness aggressively eats at who we are. We allow bitterness to be in our lives. It is eating away at who we are. Bitter people, at one time, were often happy and full of life. For most people who are bitter in life, 
students, parents, whoever. Most people who are bitter in life used to be happy. They used to have joy. They used to enjoy their life. But once the cancer of bitterness set in because of a pain, because of a hurt that somebody caused in their life, it begins to change them. We've been around people like that. We've seen people in our life who used to love things, but then something bad happened in their life. And all of a sudden, they're angry and they're bitter about everything. And it's like a sickness. They begin to spew this vomit that comes out of them, this bitterness, this anger. Everywhere that they go, everything's a negative point of view in their life. And it's, it's not always because of anything they've done. Sometimes it's just because they've been hurt and they didn't know how to address it and deal with it. And when, it's like, when that cancer of bitterness sets in our life, it changes everything. And also like cancer, a lot of bitter people We'll see the signs and the symptoms of something wrong with them, but they won't deal with it. See, people get cancer all the time, but, but they start seeing signs and symptoms, but they won't go to the doctor. There are a lot of people that they could get treated for the sickness, but because they didn't go to the doctor, now it's gone too far and it's spread throughout their body and they have no chance. And a lot of people who are bitter, they do the same thing. They start seeing the fact that they don't have joy anymore. They start recognizing the fact that they're kind of they're, they're frustrated about with people or they, they take everything offensively. They're always hurt by somebody. Everything grates on their nerves. They're, they're, they're not enjoying life like they used to do. And so they see the symptoms of the sickness in their life, but they don't deal with it. Here's the deal. Bitterness that's left untreated in our life, it'll kill who you are. Bitterness left untreated will steal your passion. Bitterness will steal your joy. It will steal your relationships. It will steal the zeal of God in your life. See, there are a lot of students. A lot of students that are harboring bitterness towards their parents. Maybe even some of you in this room tonight, you're holding bitterness in your heart. You're angry at your mom or your dad. You're angry at, at, at your grandparents. You're angry at these people in your life who are supposed to love you. And the truth is, a lot of you, you may have good reasons to be angry. Maybe, maybe they hurt you in some way. Maybe they disrespected you. Maybe, uh, maybe they, they moved too much in your life, and so you always felt uprooted, and so you feel anger towards them because of that. Maybe, maybe you're frustrated or you're, you're angry because your parents got divorced, and now you feel split all the time. You feel pulled all over the place. Or maybe your parents just weren't there for you when you needed them to be. A lot of us have good reasons to be angry. A lot of us have good reasons to be bitter, but here's what I want to do tonight. I want to come to you from the future. I want to come and I want to give you a warning tonight. Here's the warning. You will always lose with bitterness. You will always lose in every area of your life. Listen, bitterness has never won a game for anybody. Bitterness has never won a relationship for anybody. Bitterness only destroys. You always lose with bitterness. Listen, when you give a free room to bitterness in your life, this is what it does. It stays longer than you want it to stay, and it takes more than you're willing to give. When you allow bitterness to have free space in your life, when you allow that anger that you feel towards your mom and dad to live in your heart and in your life, and you keep holding on to it, it will eventually take everything from you. It'll stay longer than you want it to, and it'll take more than you're willing to give it. And it'll lead you to always look for ammunition in everything that they say and do. See if these sound familiar. You remember that time you did this to me? You remember that time you said that, Mom, Dad, what about when you did this? Or I, I can't believe you because every time this happens, you do this. 
And what bitterness does is we start grabbing a hold of anything that we can to use as bullets to put in our gun and shoot back at them. What bitterness does is anytime somebody hurts us in our life, we look for every negative thing that we can and we hold on to it. And we harbor it in our heart. And then when the time comes, when we have a conversation with them, or we get into an argument, all of this stuff starts pouring up out of us. You know what I'm talking about. The things that we brushed under the rug, the things that we pretended didn't matter to us, yet we've been holding on. We've been stockpiling ammo for a long time. Then we get into the argument with mom or dad riding down the road, and then we start pulling these things out, and we start shooting it at them. Here's the thing about ammo. Here's the thing about bullets. They destroy what you shoot them at. When you start shooting bullets, this ammo, these negative things at your parents, even if they were wrong for what they did, when we start shooting that stuff, what we do is we start tearing down the relationship. Anything I shoot at, I destroy. When I start taking shots at my mom and dad, when I start taking shots at my friends or my girlfriend or whoever in my life, when I start taking the shots and I'm holding on to the bitterness, I destroy the very thing that I want to save. I destroy the very thing that I want to have, and I begin to lose. And when I'm bitter, I struggle. I always struggle to let go. When I'm bitter, I always struggle to forgive. See, forgiveness becomes an almost impossible act when I allow bitterness to take hold in my life. Here's the deal. Forgiveness. Forgiveness releases you from the cancer of bitterness. See, it's hard for us to forgive. It's hard for me to say, I forgive you. It's hard for me to let go of what somebody's done. Some of you in this room tonight, you have some real hurts. And some real pains. Some of you have faced some things in your life that no student, no child should ever have to face. Some of you, your parents have done some things to you that you should never have to face. But the reality is this, that if you can't come to a place that you learn to forgive them, it will destroy not them, but you. See, this is where we get messed up sometimes. We think that if I forgive somebody for what they did to me or what they said to me, then it means they get away with it. If I forgive somebody for what they did, then, then, then they're going to get away with, with what they've done. And I've got to hold on to this. But here's the thing. We can't hold somebody captive in, my, in our minds by not forgiving them. I, 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 I can't do anything to them. If Avery hurt me in some way, I can't hold him captive in my mind by being angry at him. He may be going on about his day. See, this is what happens most of the time. People who have hurt us don't even know they've hurt us. They just keep on going about their day thinking that everything's fine and we're over here stewing in the corner. And we're letting bitterness eat away at our life and destroy the dreams and the plans and the purpose that God has instilled in us. We have to come to a place that we say, whether they ever apologize or not, I've got to let that go. I've got to forgive. Yes, it has caused scarring and pain in my life, but I cannot hold on to what they've done. I've got to let it go so that I can have life again. We think we hold them captive in our minds by not forgiving. And the truth is the only person held captive is us. 
And that is not what God wants for us. John 10.10 says the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Jesus didn't come so that we stay in a cage of bitterness for the rest of our lives. Jesus didn't come so that we hold on to the hurts and the pains. He wants to come and bring healing into our life and make us whole and make us right so that we can live the life that he's called us to live. This is his plan for you. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says this. Look at it with me. It says, stop being bitter or angry or mad. Quarreling or fighting. Harsh words and dislike of others should have no place in your lives. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you because you belong to Christ. Instead, that's a powerful word. It says instead right there. What does that mean? Instead means that there is an alternative. See, it says that don't be angry, mad, all this stuff, holding on to bitterness. It says instead, be kind, be tenderhearted, forgive. It says there is an alternative there for the pain, for the difficulty, for the unforgiveness in your life. What is the alternative? Kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness. Kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness are the antidotes. They're the medicine. They're the chemotherapy to the sickness of bitterness in our life. Listen, forgiveness is the language of healing for you. When we come to a place that we start making a decision to forgive people in our lives, it begins to heal the pain and the hurt in our hearts. See, God gave us forgiveness to bring healing to our lives. His forgiveness of us. See, God forgave us. When we come to Christ, he forgives us of every sin that we've ever committed. Everything we've ever done, God forgives us. And a lot of us, we have to ask for forgiveness every single day because we keep on messing up and we keep doing things wrong. Yet God continues to forgive us. His forgiveness brought healing to our lives and healing to our relationship with him. So when we forgive our parents, it brings healing to our relationships with them. See, because God forgave us. Our relationship with him was restored. When we make a choice to forgive our parents, our relationship with them can begin to be restored. God wants to bring healing into those relationships. If you're a Christian tonight, listen, you are never more like Jesus than when you serve and when you forgive. Because Jesus forgives all the time. He had every reason in the world not to forgive. How many times have we hurt him? How many times have we messed up? Yet he still forgives us every single day you want to win with your parents you got to learn to forgive you want to win in life you've got to learn to forgive people and to let things go you need to go to your parents some of us in this room tonight we need to go to our mom and dad and we need to have an open conversation with them we need to sit down and say hey listen i need to let you know that it hurt me when you said that It hurt, that hurt when those things took place. That hurt in my life. But I want you to know that I forgive you. There's so much power in those words, guys. When you come to that place with somebody in your life that that you're holding on to, and even if they don't even receive it, even if they continue to act that way, when you say, I forgive you, it sets you free. See, some of us, we, not just with our parents, some of us, we need to go to somebody in our life, a, a, a friend, a girlfriend, somebody. We need to go and talk to them and say, hey, listen, I need to be honest with you, that hurt my feelings when you did that, when you said that. But I want you to know that I forgive you 
for that. Forgiveness brings healing, but we've got to learn to communicate our feelings. Talk to our parents. Listen, if your parents hurt you in some way, you need to have those open, hard conversations. You need to sit down with them. Listen, if you're acting out because of something that your parents did and they have, they have no clue about it, you need to tell them why. If you're acting a fool out there and your parents are wondering why their kid is going crazy and it's because you're angry at them, then you need to tell them why because a lot of them don't even know what's going on. Saying stuff like this, I don't want to talk about it, or you, you know why I'm hurt. That doesn't fix it. We need to have the open conversations. We need to be honest. We need to be fair. We need to use words like I and me instead of you. See, a lot of us, we, that's what we do. We say, hey, you did this to me, and you make me so angry, and you hurt me, and you did this. Maybe we need to change our language a little bit. We need to get to a forgiveness language. We need to start saying things like, that hurt me. That hurt me when that took place. I, I, I felt hurt, or I felt pain, or I felt this when that took place. And start having that open communication with them in your life. And what it does when we start using that kind of language, it sets them at ease. It keeps them from getting defensive. Because when you start accusing people and saying, you did this, they get mad, right? If somebody comes in your life and they start saying, you did this, you did that, what do you do? You get angry, right? We get mad. We get defensive. When we do that with our parents, it's the same way. But when I go in and I say, Mom, I love you, but that really hurt me. It changes the whole dynamic. It gets us on a totally different playing field. And we can now have an open door of communication that allows my parents to know what's going on. It sets them at ease. And it allows me and my parents to grow closer to one another and find healing. We need to change our language. We need to start taking steps. Listen, I've heard it said that the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. See, some of us, we look at this situation and we're like, I can't do this. It's too big. Listen, you just need to take one step. That one step may be going home tonight and sitting down with your mom and dad and having a conversation. That one step may be a text message that you send them before you even leave tonight and say, hey, mom, I just want you to know I love you. Hey, hey, dad, I, I want you to know that I love you and I, I want to talk to you when I get home. We take the one step and then another step and then another step and we begin to walk that process of forgiveness and healing. And just like I said earlier, as we walk those steps, God will walk with you every single day step of the way. He promises in his word that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is not going to leave you walking in the deep places. He's not going to leave you walking by yourself dealing with it on your own. He has promised to come down and to walk with you through that because his desire as your father is to bring healing in your life into these relationships. God wants to help you tonight. God wants to strengthen you tonight. If you're bitter tonight, you need to give that bitterness to God. If you're angry tonight, you need to let that stuff go. And you need to make a choice tonight to forgive and to communicate your heart clearly. And the last thought tonight as Joseph comes is this. We've dealt with our words. We've dealt with our attitudes. We've dealt with our heart. And the last thing is our faith. More specifically, are you relying on your own wisdom or are you relying on God's wisdom? See, this is one of the most basic principles of spiritual growth. Maturity in Christ. And it's one of the hardest things that we can submit to. It's hard for me to just say, I'm going to trust God's wisdom. It's hard for me to give up what I think I know about myself and trust Him. Because we, we know ourselves, don't we? 
We feel like we do. I feel like I know what's in my heart. I feel like I know what's going on in my life. And so I, I, I feel like I have all the answers. See, here's the problem. Our world has taught us that we, that being independent should be our number one goal. Especially in American culture. That independence is a, a big deal. You need to be independent. And, and there's nothing wrong with being independent. But just like anything else in our life, we have a tendency to overindulge in it. We eat too many potato chips. We watch too much Netflix. We stay on the phone too much. We, we do it too much. And it's the same way with our independence. We get to a place in our life where we feel like we have all the answers. I know myself better than anybody else does. I know what's going on in my life. I know how to do this. I know how to deal with this. And we think that, that, that we're, we're okay. We think we have the answers. We think we can do it on our own. We say things like this. I, I know what I'm doing. See, here's the problem. That false belief that we have all the answers, the false belief that we can do it on our own, actually leads us to push God out of the equation of our life. When we start pushing God out of the equation of our life, we start entering into dangerous territory. When I start getting to that place that I say, God, I don't really need your wisdom. I've got my own. I can handle this on my own. What we're doing is we're saying, God, I don't need your protection anymore. God, I don't need your guidance anymore. God, I don't need your power in my life anymore. I've got this thing on my own. And what happens is all of our relationships and everything continue to fail. We look at our lives and we think, we look at the relationship with our parents or girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever. We look at those relationships and we're like, i got to fix this. i got to fix this. So we start trying to find ways to fix it. But nothing works. I keep doing this. I keep doing this. I keep doing this. But it doesn't work. I said it a couple weeks ago. The definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. We do that in our life. We rely on our own thoughts and our own wisdom. And we think that we have all the answers. But our relationships never get any better. Something has to change. At some point, we've got to get off the hamster wheel. At some point, we've got to say, I, I, I'm, what I'm doing isn't working here. God's standing over there saying, hey, I got the answer. Hey, I've been waiting over here this whole time, just waiting on you to get off the hamster wheel. Man, I've watched you go around that thing a thousand times. I've just been waiting on you. Here's what it looks like sometimes when, we, when God's trying to help us in our life. Imagine that I have a son, and my son is in the desert, and it's really hot. He's sweating. He's struggling to, to walk, and it's, it's difficult. And you know what? As his father, I know what my son needs. My son needs water. He's probably thirsty. He needs to get water into his system. He needs to be hydrated. And so my son, he cries out to me. He says, Dad! Give me something to drink, Dad. Give me something to quench my thirst. Dad, please help me. Dad, give me something. And immediately I'm scrambling to get something for him because I know, I know what my son needs. But then my son gets more specific. He says, Dad, I want a drink from McDonald's. Dad, I want something from Chick-fil-A. He says, Dad, I want a large sweet tea. With extra ice in a styrofoam cup. Dad, give me a small fry too. Dad, he's in the desert. He's dying. He's sweating. It's hot. And he's asking me for a large sweet tea with extra ice and a small fry. 
But instead, I give my son a bottle of water. And he screams at me. He says, you don't listen to me. Dad, you never give me what I want. Dad, you never answer my request. But you know, that's not really an accurate statement, is it? See, I heard him. I answered him. I answered his request. I gave him water because I knew what he needed. See, a lot of us, our prayers are are wrong because we're asking God for what we want and not what we need. See, a lot of us, God has already answered the, he's already answered the prayer in our life. God is giving us the water that we need, but we keep begging him for a sweet tea. God's giving us the water that we need, but we keep begging God for a gigantic cookies and cream milkshake from Chick-fil-A. We keep begging God for the things that we want, but God says, no, those are the things that you desire and the things that you want, but it's not going to help you. I've got something better for you. Water doesn't taste good, but water's going to save your life. And maybe we're saying tonight, Pastor Trey, PT, listen, I've tried to pray, but God doesn't answer my prayer. Listen, maybe God has answered your prayer. You're just looking for what you want. We have a hard time sometimes as people separating our needs from our wants. God's looking at us tonight and he's saying, listen, you've tried this thing by yourself for too long. I'm trying to give you what you need. You just trust me. You want your life and your relationship with your parents to be better? Listen to the advice that I'm giving you. There are simple things. I talked about it last week. God's word teaches us how to deal with relationships in our life, yet we keep doing what we think we know to do. And God's saying, hey, I've already given you the things you need to do in my word. Don't be selfish. Don't be angry. Forgive. Let things go. Communicate. Be honest. Tell the truth. When we start doing these things in our life, we will find that our relationships are significantly better. Where are you tonight? Where are you tonight? Are you bitter? Are you hurt? Are you angry? Are you relying on your own self? Because if you are, God's here tonight. And He wants to bring change. He wants to give you exactly what you need. To do exactly what you need to do. Would you stand tonight? I want to read something to you really quickly. Colossians 1, 9 through 10 says, we ask God to give you a complete understanding of what he wants to do in your life. And we ask him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and you will continually do good kind things for others. All the while, you will learn to know God better and better. Listen, God gives us, this scripture is saying, God gives us what we need. He helps us to do good. And in the process of that, when we receive what what, what we need from God, when we trust Him, when we take on His wisdom, and we begin to do the good things that God leads us to do, we actually learn to know God better. When I forgive, when I rely on Him, 
not only does my relationship with my parents get better, but my relationship with Him gets better. It says we know God better and better when we trust in Him, when we rely on His wisdom and His power. Here's how I want to close tonight. This week, I sent out a survey to several parents of students in the youth ministry. Some of your parents. I talked to them this week. And I asked them some tough questions that I wanted them to answer about you. Some of you are scared. And I, I want to kind of read to you the, question to, the questions that I asked them. And I want you to see exactly where your parents' hearts are towards you. This isn't every parent. I know every situation is different, but this is a general thing. This is what I asked your parents. I said, what's the one thing that you want most for your kids? Some of y'all are like, million dollars, yeah. I want to be rich. LeBron James, yeah. I said, what's the one thing you want for your your kids. You know what the overwhelming answer was, the overwhelming number one answer? For you to have a strong personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The vast majority of your parents, they cared, they didn't care about anything else in your life except that you fall in love with Jesus. You know why? Because they know that if you fall in love with Jesus, it will affect every other area of your life. When you give Jesus complete control of your life, it changes everything. Your whole outlook on life will change. He'll start showing up in places you didn't expect him to show up, and he'll start doing things you didn't expect him to do, and he'll blow your mind. It changes everything. They, the vast majority, almost every single one of them said they want you to have a strong personal relationship. The second highest thing on there was that you, have, that you find your purpose in life and that you live happy and healthy. Your parents care about you. Your parents love you. Number two question I asked them, I said, what do you have the hardest time with in your relationship with your kid? The top ones were this, following the rules. Yeah, that's a struggle. Disrespect. Accepting responsibility when you did something. And the biggest one, communication. Communication. Your parents just want to talk to you. They just want to know what's going on in your life. You know why? Because they love you. Even if they beat you down because you messed up. They beat you down because they love you. Communication, what's the hardest thing? Communication. Second, third thing, this is what they said. What is the one thing that you want to improve in your relationship with your child? Guess what they said? Communication. Communication. They want, they, they want to be able, they, not only do they want you to communicate better with them, but your parents actually want to learn how to communicate better with you. So many of them said, I, I want to just learn. I, I don't speak teenager. That's what they said. I don't speak teenager. So I'm trying to figure out how to communicate with my daughter, trying to figure out how to communicate with my son. Listen, your parents don't speak teenager. So you need to give them a crash course on it. Give them a little bit of grace like Jesus gave you. Sit down and talk with them. If they don't understand and they ask you a million questions, don't get frustrated with them. They're just trying to figure it out because they don't know what you're talking about when you say fire. What is that? Fire? What? No. They don't know what you're talking about. You need to, you need to have open conversation, communication with them. Fourth question, what do you fear most for your child? Most parents' biggest fear was that you would give up on your faith in God. 
They were afraid you were going to give up. They were afraid that you weren't going to trust the God that they know is so real. And so many of them, they kept saying, I just want my child to encounter God the way that I have. I want them to see God for who he really is. And I don't want them to walk away from their faith. They also said that they were afraid you would make bad choices that forever change your life. They were afraid you would choose the wrong friends and be around the wrong people in your life that's going to lead you down a bad path. Those are the fears that your parents have. Number five, what are some of the things that you love most about your child? They said things like this, I love that my child is caring and respectful. That's not everybody in here, is it? They said, I love their genuine desire to do the right thing. I love their love when they express it. We struggle with that sometimes, right? They said, I love how loving and soft-hearted they are. I love their strong relationship with God, their love for their family, their tender, giving hearts. I love that they are respectful, happy, caring, and giving with some prodding in life. I, I, love, that they're, I love their ambition to succeed. I love that all of them know God, that they respect their parents, that they have a good heart. I love their heart. I love they have a passion for wanting to live for Christ. I love their tenderness towards the Spirit of God. I love that they have a personality that lights up the room. I love their personality. I love their compassion for others. I love their heart to serve. And a bunch of parents said, I love their sense of humor. So we got some funny kids in this youth group. You may not be that funny, but your mama thinks you're hilarious. Monty tells me all the time, I'm not that funny, but my mom laughs at every joke I tell. So if I got one in Monty, she goes, wah, wah. You know, I call my mom, I'm like, hey, mom, let me tell you this joke. And she just dies laughing. It's the greatest thing ever. You know what this tells me? Oh, let me finish. Number six is the last one. What can your child do to help build trust in your relationship? Number one, communicate. Three different questions. The top answer was communicate. You think your parents want you to talk to them? Yeah, I, I, I would say so. Mom, dad wants you to talk. Have the conversations. Honesty, tell the truth. Respect. Quit lying all the time. You're just building the snowball. You can't stop the snowball once it gets rolling down the hill. Tell the truth. This tells me more than anything that your parents want you to know Jesus. They want you to be honest people, and they want you to communicate well. What that means is if you will commit to your relationship with God, if you'll tell the truth and talk openly, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll be honest and you'll communicate with your parents, your relationship with them will see immediate change. The things I've been teaching you for the last few weeks, they aren't just random things that I just made up. I didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to teach you all this stuff. This is what is in your parents' heart. But even more than that, this is what's in God's heart. This is what God wants to see for you tonight. Heads bowed, eyes closed tonight. Nobody looking around. I just want to ask tonight, if you're in this room, you say, Pastor Trey, man, that's me. I, man, I'm holding on to a lot of bitterness in my heart. Man, my parents have hurt me. They, they've said things and, and, or they've done things to not, uh, in my life that, man, I'm, I am hurt and I am bitter and I am angry. And I know I've got to let this go. I have got to forgive. I feel it weighing me down every single day. And I have got to release this. Pastor Trey, I need God's help tonight. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up? Say, that's me. I'm bitter. Nobody's looking around, so nobody sees you. 
If that's you, just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor Trey, I'm angry tonight. I'm bitter, and I've got to let this go. You can put your hands down. Maybe you'd say tonight, Pastor Trey, I've been relying on myself. I've been doing my own thing. I've been making my own choices, and nothing is working out for me. And I know tonight that I need the wisdom of God. I know that I cannot do this on my own anymore. I need God's help. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? You say, Pastor Trey, I need the wisdom of God to help me. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want to invite you to do. With heads bowed continually, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you raised your hand, there were a lot of people that raised their hands tonight, so you're not by yourself. If you raised your hand tonight, would you just step out of your seat and come down here to the altar with me? you're afraid to come by yourself, grab a friend by the hand and pull him down here with you. Tell him, come on, let's go. Because I believe God wants to work in your life tonight. He wants to help you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask my leaders if they'll, they'll come and get ready. Because we're going we're gonna to pray with you tonight. And listen, if, if you want to pray, if you got a friend right there, and if you got a friend that came to the altar with you tonight, I, I want you guys to kind of gather together. If you got somebody down here, or if you got if there's somebody down here you know, get together. Because we want to we want to surround you tonight. Leaders, if you see somebody who's by themselves, come get with them. Stand with them. I'm going to come down with you in just a moment. God wants to bring change. God wants to help you. The bitterness and the anger, man, that's one of the hardest things in our life to get rid of. But tonight, you've You've taken the first step. You just take one step after another. And before long, you'll find that as you continue to take steps, that God just strengthens you and God gives you every single thing that you need to continue to walk that journey. He loves you. God has a plan for your life and it's a good plan. God has a plan for your relationship with your parents and it is a good plan. And tonight, He wants to begin the process of healing. Tonight, He wants to give you His wisdom and His grace and His mercy to help you live, to help you have the healthy, whole relationship with your mom and dad that He desires for you. So we're going to pray. If you're at your seat tonight, I'm going to invite you just, if you'll just stretch your hand towards the people down here. Just pray for them. If things are good in your life and you know the Lord, pray for them tonight. Because God's going to do a work right here, right now in them. The band's going to sing, they're going to play, and you can worship with them tonight. But we're going to pray with these students in the altar. If you got a friend, I want you to pray with them. Leaders, I want you to start praying with these students right now. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust God to do what only He can do right now. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Come on. Let's talk to him tonight.